0: Can you relate? Sometimes we get our priorities a little mixed up and put our program procedure above people. We're looking at <clears throat> uh, what it means to go from the success of the world to being significant for the kingdom of Christ. And we're going to talk about relationships today. And how Jesus always pushes us to put people as a priority, as primacy over anything else, over policies, over principles, to put people first. So, in that, we were going to look at John 15. Chapter 15, the Gospel of John, verses 12 through 17. You can look at that in your Bible or on your phone. John 15, verses 12 through 17. Christ kind of shows us what his priorities are and what ours should be, how we should be challenged. It's page 117 in your pew Bible there. John is talking to his disciples, and he talks about the primacy of relationships and where that stands. Let me read to you from John's 15th chapter, the 12th verse. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me. But I chose you and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Relationships, priority. Howard Hendricks says this about relationships. The teacher from Dallas Seminary. i always remember this quote says, there are only two things in the world that will last forever. The word of God and people. Let me say that again. In the whole world, there are only two things that last forever. The word of God and people. How does that line up with your priority, my priority, our church's priority, our country's priority? So as I look at Jesus, I just see kind of three little vignettes, three, three selfies, if you will, of Jesus in the scriptures that shows me where I might be off as far as my priorities, where I might not be putting relationships in the most important place. We're going to talk about the principles, the priorities of Jesus. First, we're going to talk about how Jesus always puts relationships over religion as we look at a man and his mat. Then we're going to talk about how Jesus always puts relationships over rules and regulations as we talk about a woman and a rock. And then lastly, we're going to talk about how Jesus always puts relationships over riches as we talk about a boy and his money and just see if you're challenged the way perhaps I am. First of all, relationships over religion. You know the story. You've seen it a hundred times, perhaps, or heard it here in church. In John 5, 1 through 13, we don't need to read there, but I'll refer to the story for the sake of time. It says there uh, was a pool. And at this pool, the sheep's pool, um, it's believed that uh, if someone got into this pool, when it was stirred up, that the angels were in there. And if you jumped in the pool first, you would get well. And so whenever that water moved, the first one in uh, would get healed. Well, in West Texas, they would never get out of the water, right? There would be no water. It would be blown out. <laughs> but there's literally hundreds of paralyzed, diseased, incapacitated people laying around this pool just waiting for some superstitious miracle to happen that never happens. And then this one man Who's lived there his whole life? He's just lived sleeping on his mat. He probably was left there as a child, dumped by his parents who didn't want a quadriplegic kid, left there to beg. He's been there his entire life. And Jesus comes up to him and asks what doesn't look like a very good relational question. He says, Do you want to get better? It's nothing to say to a handicapped person, a paralyzed person. Do you want to walk? He goes, well, yeah, yeah, but I get, I him get all these excuses. I can't get there in time and nobody will pick me up. And there's I never get there the first one. Jesus says, no, no, no. Do you want to walk? Absolutely. And Jesus says to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed. He took up his bed and he walked. That's the point. That's the miracle. That's the celebration of that day. But guess who missed it? The religious people, the church people, the goody-goodies. They missed it. They failed to make the point. It says that as this man's walking away, guess what the people of God say? So the Jews said that the man had been healed. It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to take up your bed and walk. He said, The man who healed me, he told me to take up the bed and walk. And the man went away and told the Jews it was Jesus who healed him. That's the point. That's what matters. Not the mat, but that I'm walking. And they were so upset in their religion. It says, and this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. They were so religious and so faithful, they missed the miracle that matters for this little law that you couldn't get up and walk. They, They preferred their religious comfort over the principle of people. Tim Keller says that religion is the greatest danger to authentic Christianity. These guys were so hung up on their religion that they forgot that Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Ten Commandments were made so that people could love each other. That's why he got so mad at the Pharisees. That's why he called them whitewashed tombs, these mausoleums that set above the ground that every spring they would, white, they would paint with white paint. He says, You're just like those tombs over there. They're all pretty on the outside, they're all churchy and religious, and they look good. They have dead men's bones on the inside. You brood of vipers. You put weights around people. How dare you put your religion before a relationship with someone else? Many years ago, there was a young man who had grown up in church, loved his church, but he had made bad decisions. He was at the high school, drinking, and drugs, and then early years out of high school, got, got his girlfriend pregnant, and just continued on drug use, and life just got worse and worse. He finally hit bottom mid-twenties, and he finally decided to come back to his home church. Walked into a beautiful sanctuary, beautiful church, middle of town, stained glass, everybody dressed up pretty. He finally had the nerves to come in and sit back on the back row. As he sat there, again, to sing the music and begin to say, I remember this. Someone tapped his shoulder. Young man, you take that hat off your head. He goes, oh, I'm sorry. He had a wool cap on because it was cold. I'm sorry, you probably don't want me to take my hat off. It probably wouldn't be appropriate. No, we do. Well, I'm, I, I don't know. I kept singing a few more minutes later. We really need to take that hat off. And this is the house of God. We don't wear hats in our church. Well, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I really am not. But I don't think you don't want me to take my hat off. I began singing again. Finally, young man, you're going to take that hat off. You might need to leave our church. I said, really? Okay. And as he pulled his wool cap off, where it stuck to the scar on his head, which was still with stitches, still inflamed, still oozing from having had brain surgery just earlier that week for a tumor, he took his hat off. And the man behind him hung his head and said, I'm sorry, that was not the right thing for me. Religion or relationships? James says this, this is true religion. You wanna know what it is to be religious? It's that we take care of widows and orphans, the marginalized, the people that have nothing to give us back, the people that don't make our name look good or help our status or can offer us one thing. That's true religion, that we would care more about the person than about the mat. The next vignette, besides putting our relationship over religion, Jesus challenges me to put my relationship over my rules and regulations. You know the story the shamed woman in John 8. It's a setup because it says once the Jews knew that Jesus was not about their religion, was not about their rules and regulations, they were out to kill him. Because he was telling them, you're not going to heaven, it's not working, you're fakes. And they didn't like that. They wanted to kill him. So they set him up. They find a prostitute, a whore, a hooker, and they get someone in the suit and they pay this man. Okay, we want you to be in this room on this time at this morning, being intimate with this woman. And so there they are. He has set her up. And there they are in the act. And the church people show up. Imagine that, just at the right time. And they grab just her, not him, unclothed, drag her through the streets of Jerusalem, throw her in front of Jesus who's teaching in front of the, the temple with all these people around. And they set a trap for him. They say, they read their rules. John 8, now in the law, Moses commands us to stone such a woman. What do you have to say? And they did this to test him. This is a conundrum. This is a tough one. He's between a rock and a hard place. Because true, the Levitical law says, if anyone is caught in adultery, male or female, you should take them outside the city and kill them because adultery is such a vile offense. It breaks relationships. Jesus, if he's going to be a good rabbi, a good messiah, if he's going to be a good Jewish boy, he's got to follow the law. Oh, but he's also the son of God. He also created her, knew her in her mother's womb, loves her. What's he going to do? And I love what he does. As they're there in their righteous, religious, rule-following rocks, Jesus does a great thing, doesn't he? He bends over and starts to write in the dirt. What, what's going on? Is he, is he bailing out? No, he's distracting. Because instead of the whole town, and everyone looking at this poor, ashamed woman who's not only been physically exposed, but been called an adulteress in front of the whole town, instead of looking at her now, they're all looking at him so that she can cover herself up and be out of the gaze. And who knows what he's writing. He may be doodling, or he may be writing, you shall love your neighbor yourself. And he goes, okay, all right, stands up, You want to keep the rule? Let's keep all of them. Let's be perfect at them. Let's not break one rule. You ready? Who's in for it? Who's up for it? Anybody that's passed the test 100% and kept all the rules and everything in this book, you throw the first rock. You ready? Let's go. Who's in? And one by one, starting with the oldest, we drop the stone towards just Jesus and this woman. He looks at her, and he says to her, Woman, where are they? But the word in the Greek is not woman. It's sweetheart, daughter, honey. It's endearing. Hey, honey. Where'd they go? Anybody continue? She looks around, stunned. Not one, Lord. She gets it. And Jesus says, neither do I continue. I I could. Oh, I could throw rocks at you all day because I'm perfect. I follow the rules, but there's a bigger rule to love and to forgive. I don't condemn you. Go and from now on, sin no more. That's what Jesus says we should, we should do, we should be like, to not always be about rules and regulations when it hurts relationships and destroys people. Small West Texas town, prom time. Prom's coming pretty soon for Emerald, all the kids, all the high school, the dating, the whole thing's going on with the in the house. Some of it's good, some of it's painful. Prom's coming up. Well, there's a West Texas town, a small town in the Panhandle, and they have this great prom tradition. Every year what they do (laughs) is they have the prom at uh, the auditorium in the city, and they lay out a red carpet a couple hundred yards long, and they bring bleachers out, like they bring the gym bleachers outside. And man... Saturday afternoon before that, people just start piling up. All, the whole city comes. They have picnics. They have, food, they, they have vendors there. It's crazy. And they all fill these bleachers because the kids show up, and it's a tradition to see who can show up in the coolest vehicle or the coolest way. And kids come in horses. and Kids come in John Deere tractors. and They come in front lift loaders sitting in the front. They come in U-Haul trailers direct, set up like a room. I've seen a kid come in a crop duster. I saw a kid come in a helicopter. It's crazy tradition. Well, this one year many years ago was the big the big prom night. but there's one problem one little girl had a problem. She had been the head cheerleader the year before. She had been the head of her youth group, very religious. She was in the National Honor Society. she had been a, beauty, a homecoming queen. she was it she was the it girl, but the summer right before her. Senior year, she met a little boy from another town and he got her pregnant when they dumped her. So now we have a scandal. She shows up. Her senior year starts to show a bump. Pretty soon she gets called down to the office. You can't be head cheerleader anymore. Then she gets called to the church. You can't be the president of the youth group anymore. And then her friends say, you can't be our friend anymore. And she spends the rest of her senior year ostracized especially by the Christian kids. Well, here's the prom. She's not going to get to go. Of course not. But I was there. I'm sitting in the stands. I'm there for other reasons. And man, here comes the kids. And they're dressed up and dolled up and you name it. They get to, some kid comes in a pogo stick. And it's, it's, some kid comes in a go-kart. And it's, 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 it's great. The parents are clapping and laughing. And then all of a sudden it gets awkward. Limousine drives up. Door opens. She steps out. There she is. Great with child. Eight months pregnant, very pregnant. People gasp, What's she doing here? There's talk in the crowd. It's silent. And they wonder, Is she here by herself? But well, no, the other door opens up. Who in the world, what fool, is going to go with this girl? And out steps the youth minister. A local church, and his tuxedo, and his wife, dressed to, to the nines, and they both get on either side of this pregnant girl, and they walk her down that red carpet to the prom, and people stand and they clap because that's the gospel. That's the gospel: relationships over our rules, relationships over our regulations. The Bible says mercy triumphs over judgment. Does it in your life? Does it in our church? Does it in my life? So, besides religion and rules getting in the way of relationships, what about our riches? Jesus always chooses relationship over riches. One more story: a young guy, the gospel of Mark, Mark 10, 17 to 27, you know the story. Jesus is walking along, and this young man runs up. And the Bible describes him like this: He's a rich young ruler. He's the guy, he's the who's who at Jerusalem you. He's like the Brad Pitt. He's like Ryan Gosling. He's the, he's the guy that everybody wants to be. He's got it all together. His camel has two humps instead of one. He's got Gucci sandals and Versace robe. And, you know, his chariot has his Lexus, And he's, he's got it all going on. Everybody wants to be with this guy. But something's missing. He runs up to Jesus and says, Good teacher, I'm missing something. What must I do to enter eternal life? Jesus says to him, "Well, you know, don't call me good, nobody's good, but keep the commandments. Don't steal, don't bear false witness, don't fraud. On your mother and father He just lists a few of them. And look at this. And this young man looks at Jesus and says, "I've kept all these since I was a child." <laughs> Jesus should laugh at him. "Oh, I've kept every, every Ten commandment. I'm a good church boy. I go to vacation Bible school. I went through confirmation. I've been to young life camp and Connecticut, camp and Hidden Falls and A and O. And I've never missed a day at Sunday school. And I, I am a, I am a church kid, man. I'm good. I, I'm very religious. This is okay. It says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. Isn't that what Jesus is like? He didn't look at him and laugh at him and go, "You liar." What about the lust? What about that girl in your class? What about the lie? He doesn't do that. Just looks at him and loves him. He says, okay, I got one more thing for you. Just lack one more thing to know what it means to know the Father. Go and sell everything you have. Give it all away to the poor, and you'll have your treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. And then one of the saddest verses in the whole Scripture, one of the most heartbreaking verses, and Jesus it says, And the young man's face fell, disheartened, heartbroken by what he said. And he walked away sorrowful, for he had many possessions. He looked at Jesus, who offered him a relationship for the rest of his life, eternity with God the Father, forgiveness, salvation, the Holy Spirit. And he looked at his stuff, and he says, I'm staying in the game. And he walked away. And Jesus cried and let him go. Relationship or riches. Someone said this. Marie and I always laughed that you You'd never see a hearse behind a U-Haul. Well, we've proven him wrong, but you get the point, don't you? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We can't take it with us. Job says, "Naked we came into this world, and naked we shall leave." Or as my <laughs> grandfather, who was a real West Texan, said, "Naked we come into the world, and naked we shall leave." But you get the point. Leah Iacocca. Turned Chrysler Corporation around, made the Mustang famous when he was with Ford. He says this quote. I think we have it. He says, I have never heard a man on his deathbed say, I should have worked more. I have never heard a man say as he's dying, I should have worked more. Jim Elliott, who died a martyr, killed by the very people he was going to minister to, said this. He is no fool Who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Are our riches getting in the way and doing damage to our relationships? I close with this as we think about our religion, our rules, and our riches versus the primacy of relationships. You know, Robert E. Lee has gotten in a lot of bad press and statues ripped down and A lot of controversy. He was on the wrong side of the slavery issue. We know that for sure. But he also loved Jesus. He was definitely a a sinful, a fallen man as well. But he loved Jesus. And I see a true story where he lays aside his religion, his rules, all his regulations and his riches. This is written by a private from the Union Army at the Battle of Gettysburg. I was at the Battle of Gettysburg myself. And an incident occurred there which largely changed my views of the Southern bigots. I had been a most bitter anti-Southerner, anti-South man, and fought the cursed Confederates desperately, wanted to kill every cursed one. I could see nothing good in any of them. The last day of the fight of Gettysburg, I was badly wounded. A mini ball had shattered my left leg. I lay on the ground not far from Cemetery Ridge. And there he was, all of a sudden, General Lee ordered his retreats, and then he and his officers, Longstreet, picket. They rode near, right by me. As they came by I recognized him and though faint from exposure and a loss of blood I raised up my fist, I looked General Lee in the face and I shouted as loud as I could Hurrah for the union! Hurrah for the union! General Lee heard me. He looked, he stopped his horse, he dismounted and came towards me. He came running towards me. I confess that at first I thought he meant to kill me. But as he came up He got down on his knees, looked at me with such a sad and yet loving expression, with tears on his face, all the fear left me. I wondered what this man was really about. He extended his hand to me, grasped mine firmly, looked me into my eyes and said, My dear son, I hope you will soon be well. I will pray for you. If I live a thousand years, I shall never forget the expression, on General Robert Lee 's face, there he was, defeated, retiring from a field that had cost him and his cause their last hope. And yet he stopped by to say words like those to a wounded enemy, a soldier of the opposition had taunted him as he had passed by. As soon as the general had left me, I cried myself to sleep upon the bloody ground. How can I do better at relationships? How can you and I do better at relationships over rules, religion and riches? Think about Jesus. Likely, only more so, the great Lord of the universe, dismounted not from a horse, but from his throne, came down and became one of us, got down on his knees, laid down on the cross, bled on the cross for us, looked us in the eyes and said, I love you, my precious one. You are my chosen. You're my treasure. I treasure you and value above anything else in my own life. I'm doing this for you. Greater love has no man than this. He laid down his life for another. Christ says this, no longer do I call you a servant. For the servant does not know what his master is doing. I call you friends. Are you his friend? Am I his friend? Is it just religion and ritual and church going? Are we truly, truly in love with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ above all things? If we are his friends, are we putting people first? If we love people over our religion, our relationships, our rules, our regulations, our race, our prejudices, our politics, then we will be famous. This church will be famous for extending grace and we will change the world. Let's pray. Father, interesting that you didn't want us to call you God or Lord or all those important titles, but that you preferred to be called Daddy? We thank you. Thank you that you cared so much about us that you threw out the real book and became a man. That you threw out the religion and became real on the cross. That you gave away all the wealth of the universe and became a poor man with only one robe when you died so that we could inherit the riches of the kingdom. May we be such people that we have a relationship with you that is more important than anything person. Possession status. And that because we are so loved, we can love others and put relationships where they belong. That you died for these other people as well. May we live like that.